Hey, shout out to our campuses, Gateway Central, Gateway Branson, Gateway South, or wherever you're joining us from uh, around the world on our internet campus here at North. Uh, we are in this season, this fall season of celebrating 20 years uh, by encouraging you to love everyone life by life in this 20th year, and especially the 20 people around you. And, you know, that's why we are starting with this series, because it would be a travesty if we loved all our coworkers and all our neighbors, but not the people closest to us as we're trying to love everyone. And so, you know, if you're here and you're married or you're single and you're hoping to be married one day, this is really going to help you have relationships that are healthy and long-lasting. Um, if you're single and you're hoping to stay single, it's still going to help you, because it's going to help you have closer friendships, better work relationships, really help you be a more loving person. And so today we're talking about communicating, and particularly communicating in code. Let me read you a, uh, a diary entry from a young woman newly married to a computer engineer. Here it is. Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant, and I was shopping with my friends all day long. I thought he was upset at the fact that I was late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing. I suggested we go somewhere quiet to talk. He agreed, but didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked, is it my fault? Are you upset because I was late? He said he wasn't upset. He said it had nothing to do with me and not to worry. On the way home, I told him I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, in the silence, I went to bed. Fifteen minutes later, he came to bed, but was still absent. His thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep, and I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. Now here's his diary entry from the same day. My computer code is broken, and I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> That's all. That was it. Communicating in code. So uh, as a former engineer, I just want to give a little heads up to you engineers and coders. We're not talking about that kind of code, okay? Though if you talk in computer code, it'll kill it in 20 days, guaranteed, <laughs> okay? But we're talking uh, these next five weeks really about research that was done by the Prepare and Enrich uh, assessment to form the prepare and rich assessment that's used by a hundred over a hundred thousand counselors and pastors to help uh, do premarital counseling but also the enrich part with marriages that that just need a tune-up and three million couples have used it it came about by studying 21,000 couples to determine what differentiates healthy, happy, well-adjusted marriages from those that are conflicted and troubled. And they came up with the top things that kill a relationship, the top things that help make it healthy and happy and long-lasting. This study has now been validated by over 3 million couples across cultures and across ethnicities. 
And so we're going to be talking over the next five weeks about each one of the top five relationship killers. And again, this doesn't just apply to marriage. It applies to our work relationships, our friendships, parenting, all of it. And the number one relationship killer is communication or a lack thereof. In fact, the Prepare and Rich study said this, communication was the area found most predictive of happily married couples. And the issue was whether partners agree that they are satisfied with how they talk with each other. See, the fastest way to kill a, a relationship is with bad communication, with game playing, with communicating in code. You know, where they have to guess what's in your mind or guess your intent or what you really meant or, or you do the same. We, we, we do this back and forth. So if we're going to have lasting relationships, we have to learn how to communicate to understand what the other person means. And I'm convinced that you cannot do this unless you first realize something. We speak foreign languages. Have you realized? Yeah. Okay. I hope she's not here with you. <laughs> so Kathy and I actually lived uh, for a year in Russia, in a foreign country, and studied the language. And Russian is incredibly hard to learn. It's like 14 declensions. It's a different alphabet. So we're studying. We, we had 10 students with us there, Americans. And every morning for four hours, we're studying the language. Deb... And, uh, and, and two single women got invited by Misha, a Russian student, to come for dinner one night. Now, R Misha uh, was studying English. They're studying Russian. They didn't know him that well, but he seemed like a nice guy. And so they decided that they would go. It'd be a good opportunity to practice Russian, and he could practice his English. And uh, it's a Russian winter, so they put their big, heavy, long down coats on, and they trudge across the snow in the metros and the buses and walk up and finally get to Misha's apartment. Now, I'm pretty sure Misha had a crush on Deb and was hoping that he could impress her that night. So they knock on the door, and Misha comes to the door and tries to impress him with this warm English greeting. He flings the door open. He says, girls, welcome. Take your clothes off and come into my apartment. <laughs> and they didn't know whether to run or laugh, right? And he reads their body language and suddenly realizes, your coats, your coats, take your coats off and come into my apartment. Now, sometimes in relationships, it's like that. It's like we're saying one thing and another's hearing another thing and it's like we're speaking different languages, isn't it? Because we are to some degree. I mean, the truth is we're all different people who relate differently. We, we grow up in, in different homes. Uh, who, we had different styles of communicating, different ways of expressing love growing up. We might as well be speaking different languages. In fact, if you came with someone today, why don't you just turn to them and say, that's your problem. You speak a foreign language. Actually, it's your problem. <laughs> it's your problem and it's my problem if we want to learn to love another person. We have to learn to speak their language. That's what love actually does. In fact, experts, every expert will agree, other-centered communication. It's the most important skill for good relating, whether in marriage or at work or parenting, wherever. That's why the Gallup poll said this. 
said in an era of increasingly fragile marriages, a couple's ability to communicate is the single most important contributor to a stable, satisfying marriage. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, because think about it. Every other problem you face has to flow through the pipeline of communication. And so if you're having problems there, it's going to multiply all your other problems. Now, here's what the Prepare and Rich uh, study and assessment found. The top three out of 10 predictors of successful, happy marriages were couples who said, I'm satisfied with how we talk with each other. My partner understands how I feel. My partner is a good listener. See, other-centered communication is love. That, that is what love is. It's what love does. By the way, other-centered communication is also what will get you promoted the fastest at work. Why? Well, because people want to feel listened to, and they want to follow someone who understands them, right? So I want to give you a simple formula for other-centered communication, love. It's easy to remember, okay? If you want to truly love someone else, here's what you need to do. And we're going to talk through this today. You got to listen, open up, validate, and then express calmly. So it all starts with listening, all right? So let's do a little listening IQ test, all right? I want you to just be honest with yourself about your own listening ability, all right? So here it is. When listening, I'm often thinking most about Okay, you ready? A, talking, what I'm going to say next. Or B, what's wrong with what they're saying? Yeah, mm hmm. C, all I have left to do, us uh, achievers. D, whether I understand what they mean to say. Or E, what I couldn't hear them saying on Star Trek Discovery. All right, so just be honest with yourself. All right, second question. People I'm closest to would most likely say, A, I talk more than I listen. Like you make uh, Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern look like introverts. Is that you? Or B, I'm often defensive. C, I'm often distracted when listening, kind of like Vince Vaughn. Or D, I listen pretty well. Or E, they really feel understood by me. Now, of course, if you don't listen well, you don't know what they would say, so just check E. I'm sure you're right, all right? Now, here's the thing. This is the key to good listening. So listen. Key, you don't get to say if you listen well. They do. Brilliant. I'm telling you, brilliant. It's not mine, by the way. I had to learn that the hard way. But, but think about it. I mean... It's, it's ironic sometimes when someone is, is telling their partner they don't listen well and they start arguing about how they are listening because they compare it back every word they say. You're arguing with someone who says you don't listen well about listening well. That's an oxymoron. Do you realize that? If you don't realize it's an oxymoron, just cross out the oxy and read again. Okay. <laughs> You'll get it when you get home. No, look, you can hear... You would think hearing is listening. It's not. Hearing is passive. Listening is active. You can be hearing what I'm saying right now and thinking about something else and hearing all kinds of voices. We all do that, right? Listening is active. 
This is why James, the half-brother of Jesus, gives this wisdom in Scripture. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, you know, I'm convinced that most marriages could solve their deepest problems if they would just do this one thing, listen. But how many of us so quickly speak, so quickly get angry or defensive? So learning to listen is not natural in our fallen world. It takes work, it takes intentionality, and honestly, I think it takes God's help to really become good at this. I think that's why Jesus told us this. He said, in everything, Matthew 7, 12, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. He said, this is the law of love. It sums up the whole Bible. That's what the law and prophets stand for. Treat others the way you want to be treated. We all want to be listened to, don't we? Don't we all want that other person to listen, not jump to conclusions, try to understand what we mean, not just what they right away heard. We expect this from others, but we all struggle to actually do it for others. So to listen actively means we got to pay attention. And you ever thought about that phrase, pay attention? You know, if you pay something, it costs you, right? You know, you pay money, it costs you that money. You pay attention, it costs you something. But you know, if you were one of the ones that checked off, you know, you're thinking about what you have to do or, you know, something else, it's hard for you to focus on it. Realize you're paying something. You're investing in that relationship and it will pay you dividends. It will, it will pay you back. So think about it like that if you struggle to pay attention. Daniel Goleman, who's kind of the emotional intelligence guru, he's studied, written a lot of books on emotional intelligence, studied what makes people most successful in life, said this, listening is the single most important relational skill a person can develop. Asking astute questions, being open-minded and understanding, not interrupting, seeking suggestions, all communicate to the other person, they matter. It's the single most important skill in life, quite honestly. Because I guarantee you, you feel closer to people that you feel really listen to you well, right? Until they can really understand you. Much more so than big talkers who just want to be heard or their opinion known. Am I right? Of course. And so what if we became those kinds of people? Look, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus listened. You know, when I wrote the book Unshockable Love, I studied the four Gospels uh, in depth. And, and you know, one of the things I discovered in my research is that Jesus was asked 183 questions. He only answered three of them directly, but he asked 306 questions. See, he asked questions and he listened as much, if not more, than he talked. And what if we could become people like that? that listened well. We would be as attractive as, as Jesus was, and that's what he wants for us. So here's what I want you to practice this week, if you're willing. And at, with every interaction, I want you to think, am I loving this person? Am I listening so this person feels understood? And remember, they get to determine if I listen well. All right, so if you're gonna have love conversations, listen first. Second, open up. To new interpretations. You know, it's interesting. Most couples that are having 
problems say that they're having problems because they don't feel heard or listened to by that other person. But why is it so hard for us to listen well? Well, it's because usually we get triggered and we quickly react emotionally to what we think they're saying. And this is very important to understand. We quickly determine what we think they mean. And this is where the O in love comes in. We've got to open up to new understanding, to new meaning of what they're trying to say. Because oftentimes what you first hear is not actually what they mean. I remember when uh, my daughter Ashley and, and, and Kathy were out shopping. Ashley was about 11 years old. And um, they were checking out at the grocery store. And this young uh, grocery bagger was bagging groceries and, uh, and asked my wife, Kathy, would you like a little help? And Ashley was shocked because what she heard this young bagger ask her mom is, would you like an evil belch? And she couldn't understand how could he be so rude to ask her mother, would you like an evil belch? And then she was even more shocked when Kathy said, thank you, that would be so nice. <laughs> what you first hear is not usually all of what they mean. But we have to say that to ourselves because here's the problem, two problems with this, all right? Take notes, this is really important. The average human thinks at 400 words per minute but can only speak 100 words per minute, okay? Now maybe you know some people who speak 400 words per minute can only think 100 words per minute. <laughs> Maybe you're in conflict with them all the time. Bring them on the conflict week. That'd be a lot of fun. Right. No, you got to understand this. So when someone is talking to you in the time frame, they can speak a hundred words. You've added 75% more words in your head of what they're saying and what they mean. And then when you're speaking, they're adding you know, they're adding four times what you're saying in their minds. And what that means is you're probably adding meaning. You're interpreting what they're trying to say, but you're going ahead of them. And this always happens. And it happens to you too. It's why communication gets so frustrating, isn't it? And that's why we've got to open up to other interpretations of what's meant. So we've got to ask, are you meaning to say right? Now, here's the other challenge of listening well, why we have to open up. Um, because you can get triggered emotionally by what you think they're saying. And when you get triggered right away, you react. You, you feel hurt or you feel misunderstood or you feel angry or you, you feel something intensely. And when we let that reaction go, what happens is then you usually trigger them and then they react, which reacts, makes you react. And flushes down the toilet, doesn't it? You've been there. We've all been there. So we're going to talk more about this in the conflict week when we talk about triggers and how they work. But literally, triggers flood your mind with chemicals that kick you into a fight or flight reaction. And, and what we've got to understand is that, at least today, acknowledging that I just added 75% of my thoughts to what they just said and my interpretation might be wrong is key if you want to communicate with love, all right? Because you got to understand, with those thoughts come voices from the past. You know, maybe parental voices, maybe other relationships where you were hurt, where you felt shamed or lies you believed. 
And so much of it is we've got to root that out so that we don't react in anger or defensiveness. And quite honestly, this is where relationship with God comes in. You know, and if you don't have a relationship with God, here's what you got to understand. Jesus promised us that God is the one who relates to us perfectly the way we've always wanted to. He fully understands you. Every thought, every motive, and guess what? He loves you anyway. Isn't that crazy? I know, it's crazy that he would love me anyway that way. But he does, and unconditionally loves you. And what he wants us to understand is despite our mistakes and miscommunications and even our sins and character defects, that we're okay in him. And so we can change how we react. This is why it says in scripture in Romans 5, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We weren't even right with God. We don't, we're not right with God and that's okay. He forgives us. He accepts us. He loves us anyway. And he wants us to teach us how to do that for others around us. It says in Ephesians 1, 4, but he chose us in him. He chose all those who would turn to him in faith for forgiveness and relationship. And he decided this before the creation of the world that we would be holy or set apart and blameless in his sight. Here's, here's where this comes in. If we fully live in God's love and forgiveness and grace, and that's where he wants us to live. And, and, and Christians, too many of us, we know all these words, but we don't live in it experientially. And so here's what I want you to remember. When you find yourself emotionally reacting, you trigger with anger or hurt or, you know, rejection or whatever that feeling is, shame or, you know, condemnation, you're feeling all these things, stop and say, God, help me grow spiritually through this. Grow me up spiritually. I am fully loved by you. I am fully blameless in your sight. I am not condemned. There is, there is no shame. So help me in this moment to love this person the way you love me. That, I'm telling you, can help you more than anything else that, that I'm gonna say today. So love listens and then opens up to new interpretations, but you won't know if you're getting it right unless you ask questions and then validate what is said. You have to validate what is said. Now, I learned the hard way early in my marriage that what I think Kathy's saying and what, I, what she's actually saying is not always the same thing. Have you guys ever realized this in relationship? So here's how I came to this. Um, you know, early in, in our relationship, well, first of all, let me just say, you know, on the Myers-Briggs like temperament test, I, I rate as a thinker, she rates as a feeler, okay? And thinkers have to think about how they feel. Feelers just feel how they feel. Neither is right or wrong. It's just different, right? And so uh, early on in our marriage, one day Kathy had a bad work day and she's driving home longing to just be able to pour out her heart to her new loving, understanding companion, me. Yeah. And, and so she she felt misunderstood by her coworker. They had had words. She was so hurt and she just can't wait to get in. And she, she drives up and she bursts in the door and she sees me in the dam burst and she floods tears and she explains how she had this miscommunication with her coworker and how misunderstood and hurt she feels. And 
as a thinker. Now, again, thinkers like to analyze and solve problems. So here's what I knew she was saying. This is what I heard. Honey, I have a problem. If you love me, fix it for me. That's what I heard, okay? So I love my wife. And, you know, I, I want to help her. So I told her what she needed to go back and say to him the next day. And do any of you astute types think she said, honey, that's helped so much, you're brilliant. <laughs> no, it made it worse. Now she felt misunderstood not only by the coworker, but by me. And now, okay, I'm really confused now because I was just trying to help, right? Now like this makes no sense to me. Well, here's the deal. I heard what she said, but I didn't listen because she didn't feel understood by me. And it would take several years for me to learn to listen till she felt understood. Like 28 and counting. <laughs> I'm telling you, this, is, this love stuff is hard work, okay? But we had to realize we're speaking different languages and we each have to learn each other's language. Now, she actually went first. She read in a book and, and thought, maybe this will help him understand. So she came to me and she said, look, when this keeps happening, because it kept happening, uh, she said, here's what it's like. Imagine, John, that you're at work all day and you're typing something into your computer. You know, you're, you're programming something in your computer. And at the end of the day, the computer crashes and you lose it all. You lose all your work. And you're so upset and you come home and you burst in the door and you say to me, I worked all day on this computer program and it crashed at the end of the day and I lost all my work. And I say to you, we'll just start typing it in again. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the solution. That's what I'm going to have to do, right? Just start typing it in again. How would you feel? I had to think about it. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't feel good. See? And we had to learn to communicate in each other's language. And I had to learn in those moments, just be in it with her. Don't solve it. Don't fix it. So you have to validate what was said. Now, the best way to do this is to paraphrase back to the person what you think they're meaning to say. Do you feel misunderstood? I, I know it feels horrible when you feel misunderstood. I'm, I'm so sorry you feel that way. Or, you know, ask what you think they need and, or say what you think they're asking for. Um, you know, how can I help? What do you need most to feel better? Um, though paraphrasing feels awkward, it feels contrived, I'm telling you, you guys, it works if you get in the habit of it. So remember, they get to say whether you understand what they're asking for or what they're meaning or not. And so you got to keep asking questions and keep opening up to new meaning and validate what they're saying until you can ask, do you feel like I understand? And they say, yes, thank you. Okay. Now here's what's hard about this. Sometimes you will really understand what they are meaning to say. And it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And you just need to fix it right now. Okay, warning, you see the flashing red lights? Warning, don't do it. Don't fix it right there. You'll blow all your hard work, okay? If you really want to love them well, 
don't try to fix it right there. You'll have your chance to express. And that's the final E in love. You listen, you open up to new uh, interpretations, you validate what you think they're saying or needing, and then you express calmly your point of view. So look, if you're a couple and you're doing this, agree to have loving conversations like this, and one goes first expressing, the other does the L-O-V, and then you switch. Okay, so now it's your turn. But when you express, express calmly and clearly. That's the first part of expressing. Calmly and clearly. See, here's the deal. If you, if you listen well, and then you open up to new interpretations, and you ask questions, and you validate, and you realize, oh, I didn't quite get it, and you, you ask questions again, and you listen, and you open up, and you validate, and you validate again. Finally, you get it right, and they understand, but tension has been building up inside, and then you get to go, and boom! And that's sometimes what happens. And you just blew it again. All your great work at loving this other person just blew up. And, and so we're gonna be talking in the weeks to come how to monitor your emotions and do some things to keep them in check uh, enough so that you can have understanding. Again, mutual understanding is the goal. But then second, express without accusation. This is the second key. Not you statements, but I statements. Not you always come home late. You never call to let me know, you know, your plans. See, when, when you make you statements like that, it just sets the person on the defensive. They feel accused, they start to defend, then you get more triggered and it just goes down the toilet again. So instead of you statements, practice I statements. You know, I feel like I'm not valued, you know, when, when you're gonna be late but you don't call ahead. I feel like I'm not valued when you're talking to me while texting, okay? So it's, it's making I statements so that they can understand what's going on inside of you. And then third, asking rather than demanding for whatever change you would like. You express the change you would like in a request rather than a demand. I'm asking if we could just take time to connect before you watch TV when you get home. I'm asking if you could just put your phone down and, and look me in the eye as, as we're talking. Now, this is the way God relates to us. He asks us, you know, and, and he allows us to choose. Now, as we're going to learn in weeks to come in every relationship, what we choose has consequences relationally too, right? But the way to love is to respect the free will of the other person. You know, that's, that's why God doesn't make people do his will. That's also what's wrong with all our relationships, by the way. <laughs> but that's how love works. So we also must respect their free will, asking rather than demanding. So as we enter into this season of me challenging you to love everybody around you, life by life, it's got to start with love toward the people closest to you, listening, opening up, validating, expressing calmly. I hope you'll practice it this week in your life groups, in your network serving. Um, if you're not connected, now's a great opportunity to get connected in a life group where you can talk about these things and grow together or get in one of our restore classes. You know, let us, let us help all of us be more loving, better relating people.